Hello and welcome to the Imagineer Podcast, your unofficial guide to all things Disney. I'm your host, Matthew Krull, and you're listening to episode 129 of the Imagineer Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be covering a subject, a question, that I get so often on the show, which is, how do you become an Imagineer? It's a very, very difficult question and one that has no simple answer. But because I have interviewed a number of Imagineers throughout the show's history, I thought I would take the opportunity to create a sort of compilation of some of the advice I have received when I ask this very question, including, of course, how do you get your foot in the door? What are some of the common traits? What should you study? And even more importantly, once you get into Imagineering, how can you ensure that you stay an Imagineer if you desire to do so and continue to develop within the company? If you don't want to become an Imagineer, I still think this episode will be very relevant to you because a lot of the advice offered not only applies to a a career in themed entertainment or specifically in Imagineering, but any career path you might want to pursue. There's a lot of great wisdom here, and I'm excited to share with you some of the best advice I have received over the years about how to become an Imagineer. Before we jump into this episode, I, of course, want to give a very special thanks to our sponsor, WDW Magazine. You can learn more and subscribe to WDW Magazine's print and digital editions by clicking on the link in the show notes of this episode or by heading to ImagineerPodcast.com. At the end of the episode, I'll come back and tell you a little bit more about how you can connect with the Imagineer Podcast on all your favorite social media channels and how you can help to inspire and create the future of this show. So grab some headphones, pull up your favorite armchair, and enjoy this episode of the Imagineer Podcast. Although I've never worked for Walt Disney Imagineering, and in fact have never even worked in a similar kind of role, as a lifelong fan and historian of Imagineering, a former cast member, and of course a podcaster with a show named in honor of the Imagineers, one of the most common questions I'm asked from listeners around the globe is how to become an Imagineer. The more I've researched this very question, the more I've learned that there's no clear way into Walt Disney Imagineering. Part of the mystery stems from the multifaceted nature of this famous department. According to the official Imagineering website, there are over 100 different disciplines on the team. Everything from, quote, artists to architects, scientists to show producers, project managers to programmers, model makers to mathematicians, and so many more. End quote. Disney hires the best of the best in each of these areas, which require their own unique field of study, experience, and skill set. There are some common themes when it comes to soft skills, such as the ability to work well with others and share credit on ideas, the willingness to work hard and think outside the box, the passion to love what you do and always strive to learn more and do better 
even in your most senior years of Imagineering, the eagerness to take initiative without losing patience, and the ability to both deeply know your craft and understand how it fits with other disciplines. At the end of the day, the most Imagineers are enthusiastic, curious, results-driven, creative, team-oriented, and perhaps sometimes a bit eccentric. They're fans of their work and respectful of the past, but focused on the future. While I can't advise on one clear path into Walt Disney Imagineering, I have had the incredible opportunity and privilege to chat with some incredible Imagineers, each of whom have left some pearls of wisdom about how to become an Imagineer. So in this episode, I thought it would be worth recapping some of the lessons learned through Imagineer Podcast by playing back some of the advice we've heard throughout the last five years of the show. I hope you find this recap to be informative and inspirational, with perhaps a bit of wisdom even if you're looking to pursue a totally different career. To start, I would like to jump back to my first interview with an Imagineer, which was a discussion with former Imagineer McNair Wilson, who worked on Tower of Terror and the Adventurers Club, but was more famous for his extensive work designing the Streetmosphere performances at Epcot and the early days of Disney's Hollywood Studios and Disney's Animal Kingdom. I asked McNair what advice he would offer to aspiring Imagineers, and he had some rather useful information to share, which shows just how many types of talents, careers, and personalities are present at Imagineering. You want to be an Imagineer? I would say probably go to college, maybe not. Get a generalist degree. Get a degree in library science or history of the, hist the, the, you know, the art and scientific history of the Western world. But we also had a woman at, at Imagineering who had a PhD in polymer chemistry. She made fake stretchy things. Yeah. She figured out a new way to, to do what's called the rubbering process. That's the skin that's put on the face of pirates and presidents and other auto-anatronic right. figures. She, she told me about going to, we were comparing notes about going to our reunions, her college, my high school. And we were both the big hit of our reunion because we're the magic Disney Imagineer. And of course, my friend's like, well, of course you are. You know, goofy, you know. <laughs> and she she was a PhD in polymer chemistry working at Imagineering. And her friends said, be a generalist if there's something specific you want to do in the area of engineering or graphic design. If you're a visual artist, be able to draw anything. Be able to draw everything. Don't specialize in one thing or another. If you're an architect, be also a conceptual architect that can sit and say, maybe it's like this, maybe it's like this, maybe it's like this. And then, starting as soon as this interview is, you're done watching it, go online to Disney.com, go to the Imagineering page, see what positions are open. Start to do that on at least a monthly, if not a weekly basis, and see what they're, see what di all the different kinds of jobs are. Which one of those gets closest to what you want to do? Then write to them. Say, hey, I'm a junior in college. Hey, I'm a sophomore in high school. Here's what I like to do. Any advice? They'll help you out. They'll help you out. I've gotten friends hired there. Um, and, and so they're going to need more people all the time. I watched the, some of the videos from D23, and Joe Rohde did a panel discussion with three of their top, top people. I didn't know any of them. No. I left there in 92, 91. So there's not a, there, there, there are a good number of a guy, a kid who was my summer intern, part-time, I shared him, was a kid named Matt McKim, son of Sam McKim. Matt's now, there's a regular full-time, big-time 
imaginary, but started as an intern. So write to them, find out the intern program. And they have Imagineers all over the world. Every theme park has what's called an SQS team, show quality standard, that live and breathe in the park, walking around all day, every day, making sure that everything's up, up to standard quality. And those are, those are Imagineers as well. So be a generalist, focus on what you want to focus on, but don't get so focused that that's all you can do. And start to keep tabs on Imagineering and, and write to them and say, here's my interests. You know, my new book, I, I talk about, you know, who Imagineers are. They're ordinary people. They put the pants on one leg at a time. <laughs> Some of right. the, you know, one, of, one guy that's an Imagineer puts up this tent every year out in Simi Valley for his community summer Shakespeare festival. He's a technical guy. He's a build, you know, big, big guy, Matt Pretty. Um, one of the Imagineers that lives in your neighborhood is, is the guy you borrow tools from because he has every tool God ever made. That's <laughs> they are. Another guy might be the guy in your church who figured out how to how, how to have the, the angels suspended over the shepherds, keeping watch over their flocks by night in the choir loft. You know, right. they're ordinary, everyday folks. Their moms, their dads. You know, they're they're gay, straight, tall, old, young, silly, serious, Christians, Republicans, Democrats, they're everything. I mean, literally, I don't I don't say that to, you know, be something fanciful. The, the, all of those are there, you know, and so be one of them. Be one of them. Don't. It's got the, the next 200 Imagineers got to come from somewhere. There's no reason you can't be one of those. That's great advice. And I hope but if you don't. Inspiration. If you don't apply, you know, the best way not to get hired there is to never apply. That's true. I hope McNair's advice just shows how many different types of people work at Imagineering and inspires you to go out there and be one of them. Next, I'd like to turn to some advice from Imagineer Jim Sarno. Jim worked on some original Epcot attractions like the Land Pavilion, Imagination, and Spaceship Earth. He offered some more practical advice about the importance of working well with others. Well, I'd have to say with all the kids I teach, and I, I always tell them, I say, you don't have to be the best at what you do, but you really do have to get along with the people you work with. Now, for us, it was a collaborative adventure. We worked together constantly. I hear now in Imagineering, it's a little more isolated a lot more computer work than hands-on. So it might be different, but I would still say be good at what you do and mostly show up and get along with the people you work with. And for me, that worked, and I think that works in life. There's plenty of people who can do a lot of things, but get along with who you're with. Taking things a step back, one of the first Imagineers I had the honor of interviewing was Disney legend Bob Gurr. Bob designed some of the most iconic attraction vehicles at Disneyland, everything from the monorail to the haunted mansion doom buggies. He also designed the track layout for Matterhorn bobsleds and the mechanics for the Abraham Lincoln animatronic at the 1964 World's Fair. When I asked Bob about what it takes to become an Imagineer, he shared the value of mixing innate talent with unyielding curiosity and arduous study. 
I get this uh, question all the time. Obviously, I meet literally hundreds of people a year everywhere, and they've always got uh, youngsters with them, you know, maybe six, seven, eight years old, maybe 17 years old, gals and guys. Um, so I get the, the parental question all the time. In a general sense, uh, to be realistic, um, I sarcastically um, uh, look at the child that um, is, wants to be the Imagineer, and I give him a little sarcastic barb from Uncle Bob here. I says, well, you have to choose your parents very carefully because you want the de- – no, seriously, you, you want to gather up the best DNA you can get that you can, with your work, use very, very well. Of course, the eyebrows on the parents shoot right straight up, and usually the kid the kid gets my point in an instant. And then I say that uh, with that in mind, uh, you have to be totally curious. Now you might not be born totally curious, but you can learn, you can work at that. And then they say, "Well, give me an example." And I say, "Well, it's a simple thing. If if you were to as much as you can." explore every subject in every area that you know absolutely nothing about and are not interested in, and you do that for many, many years, by the time you're 17, 18, 19 years old and somebody's asking you to do something that's interesting, you will have so many ideas immediately that have been in your brain because you've been collecting them all those years, and you will immediately get in a conversation with somebody about a wide variety of subjects that you you thought were worthless, that you don't know how you're ever going to use them, and then you surprise yourself. By golly, it was sure worth learning all this extra stuff because of this characteristic of curiosity. Now, you compare that with a student that um, is very very high-tech in the sixth grade. They got their own smartphone. They know how computers work. They know how to bypass parental controls and all that sort of stuff. And guess what they do? They they text and party all through high school, and by the time they graduate from high school, they know almost nothing about the world and its history and its realities. But boy, do they know everything on social media with information going right and left, back and forth, none of it uh, being uh, useful for what you need to do for the rest of your life. That's a gigantic contrast. And you have to have the judgment as you're growing up to have some wisdom that you got to create for yourself through that curiosity of the, the day that you want to send a resume over to Imagineering, you will have some very intelligent things you can share with them that why you are needed at the Imagineering that you can bring skills to them to help them not walk up to them and say, I've always wanted to be an Imagineer. What do I need to do now? And it's too late. This is a very serious a serious of, of approach and very serious uh, subject. But the ones that have thought about it, they will get uh, get attention eventually uh, from Imagineering if you uh, just keep bothering them until they see that you are really, really serious. But you never can go to a company like Imagineering says, Oh, I need a job. Oh, I love being an idea of being an Imagineer. Well, little girl, being an Imagineer is one thing, but doing Imagineering work is where it really is. Uh, 
And if you want to know how hard this is, you just go get your parents to get you on Disney Plus and you watch those six episodes of the Imagineers and you'll see how hard work this is to try to make a, a dream work. As you can tell from Bob's response, being an Imagineer takes a tremendous amount of hard work and curiosity. So if you already have those traits, you're definitely on the right track. Shortly after interviewing Bob, I had the privilege of chatting with Leslie Iwerks. The Iwerks family is Disney royalty. Leslie's grandfather, Ub, was Walt's business partner in Kansas City and the first true animator of Mickey Mouse. Leslie's father, Don, kept his family's legacy alive as an Imagineer, and Leslie has made her mark as a filmmaker, producing such iconic documentaries as the Pixar story and the Imagineering story. Behind the lens, Leslie spent several years researching and interviewing the Imagineers. I asked her if she had noticed any common threads among the Imagineers, and she had some great insights to share about the common personality traits and culture at Imagineering. I think, well, first of all, I think every Imagineer stands on the shoulders of those who came before, and those original Imagineers who collaborated with Walt you know, really kind of we're standing on the shoulders of Walt. So I think that there's this lineage and this DNA that exists in Imagineering today that everyone has a respect for the founder. Everyone has a respect for Walt Disney and what he did. And what I've seen is that, you know, these parks, they get more challenging with, with every park that's built um, for any number of reasons, money, constraints, physical constraints, governments, you name it. But they it's always this sort of can-do attitude. Um, there's always challenges, but that's exactly what Walt went through when he built the first Disneyland. Um, and I think that they're trying always to learn the lessons that they learned from previous parks. And I think it's just constant iteration. And certainly the technology gets better and better, gets, makes things more efficient, but it doesn't necessarily mean things take less time. Um, to get built, and it was fascinating, I think, to watch, you know, the building of Shanghai Disneyland because there were times, I mean, I think a lot of people just thought, how in the world is this, is this ever going to get built? How is it ever going to get finished? And it was daunting, and I still marvel at Bob Weiss and, you know, all that whole team who pulled that together. Uh, it was incredible, um, and I don't even know the half of it, you know? So um, what they what they had to go through to get that park completed. Um, but, but I think ultimately it's, it's kind of how we end our last episode, which is that constantly asking that question, question of what if, and what if we did this, how could we do this? And the, the ideas just are always so, you know, forthcoming with Imagineers and the excitement around, um, you know, like star Wars, for example, you know, all those guys were huge star Wars fans. So, you start with with a group of passionate people who love and respect the IP or the the content in which they're working, and they have they want to they want to make it better and bigger and brighter than any of the fans might expect. And so they're always about surpassing what what the expectations might be. And so that is an, an exciting and invigorating world in which to work when you're constantly thinking, how can we surpass what we did yesterday? Um, you know, so 
it's just, and it's, there's also, I felt always very welcomed by the Imagineers when I was there. I would, I never felt like I was, you know, invading their space or I just felt like they were always so welcoming to share what they were doing and how and why and the thought process behind it. And, and that was refreshing too. There, I didn't ever feel like there was a bunch of egos or that the culture was kind of, you know, not right. I, I felt like Imagineering, I think, gets so much respect because they bring their job is to bring joy to people. And no organization is perfect. No organization, you know, or or company can do it all right. But I've been I've told a lot of documentaries about companies and um, you know cultures, and I have to say I feel like Imagineering was just super special and it's so di it's different and i think it's definitely had its challenges and its low points when it comes to management or the way in which they were run but i feel like you know it, it's just a it's a special place and the fact that they were sort of coveted for so long and they weren't put out there into the public eye and only recently they're kind of you know, with this documentary series and other and other things that they're doing internally now to show the world what they do, and it just feels like we've opened this huge gift, like unwrapped a big gift box for the world to see who who's been creating the beloved attractions that these people have been experiencing, you know, throughout their lives. I hope Leslie's response gives you at least some insight into what the culture is like in Imagineering. As we've learned, it takes a lot of hard work to become and remain an Imagineer. And the same is true of almost any career path. Another Imagineer I interviewed, Russell Brower, turned an interest in music into an award-winning career. I asked Russell what it takes to make it in music or a similar field. And he spoke to the determination, commitment, and support it takes to turn an artistic passion into a full-time career. Well, this is be the tough love part, and that's where um, if we had more time, I would probably spend about 10 minutes trying to talk anyone out of it, uh, <laughs> saying, run, screaming, do not yeah, hear there be dragons. But, but, yeah. <laughs> but after that, then I would say, but the good part is this, and then that's the talk we've just had. This is all, this is all the good part. I think my advice would be um, to just be aware of what you're getting into because where art and commerce converge is an intersection that is um, very compelling it's exciting it's it has everything to do with what we love and what makes what we love possible and all like that but also for a creative person who is also probably depending on you know where, where they come from how they're wired and you know what kind of just what their personal story is often creative people are pretty sensitive you know our emotions are close to the surface things like that um that intersection of commerce and and art can be a very dangerous place a very volatile place to be and so it's not for everyone and it or it won't always be for for everyone all the time and and so i tell people especially students i go be sure this is what you want to do and they'll usually nod and go yeah that's why we're here well, yeah but then if it's students i'll ask okay how how many of you 
how many of you have a plan B? Uh, you know, and it's typical in school, maybe, you know, made a deal with the parents in order to major in music. One had to minor in business or something like that. And invariably hands shoot up because that's what happens. And I, and I, and that's the point where I tell them, if you have a plan B, you should do that. Because as long as there are, there is a plan B waiting in the wings, it's, it's a human nature. That's, that's where you will end up most likely to, to make it, you kind of have to like, you know, make it to the new world, burn your ships behind you and stay with it. And just, it's a 24 seven full body contact sport. I'm not saying it will screw up all your relationships, but it will affect all your relationships. And that's important to just know, just know that going in, you know, and if you have the, the right support system in your life, you have the right you know, whether that's a person or a pet or your family or what, whatever it is. And if, and if they're, if they are supportive and if they get it and they support you no matter what, then please, you know, when you go home tonight, show them how much you love them and appreciate them because they are worth their weight in gold. Cause most people don't get it. They, they don't understand the level of dedication, the sheer hours. They don't always understand that when you say you need some time to work on this music project, you don't mean an hour in between two other errands. No, you mean like two days without being bothered or something like that. Maybe not that bad, but you know, you know what I mean? It's, it's, there's a, a level of focus and tenacity that is essential. And if that flags, it's not going to work. Um, and I, all I can say is I know it from experience because I've had times when that energy has been flagging. I've had times where I, I, I just couldn't make that my focus. And, and I suffered during that time, uh, create or, or uh, career wise. It's a really, um, fickle and, and selfish taskmaster. <laughs> But if you're okay with that, at that point in the talk, I've still got, frankly, because usually these classes are, are pretty, when I speak to students, that's just like the SC film scoring people and stuff like that. They're, they're in it to, 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 they're in it to win it. So at that point, they realize, no, I'm not trying to talk them out of it. I'm just trying to tell them how important it is that they have their eyes open, take care of, of those you love, don't neglect them. No matter how easy it might inadvertently become as you get completely immersed in and because every waking moment will be spent trying to get your career off the ground. And then even after it's off the ground, you'll be you'd be working to get the next gig and the gig after that. So um, people some people eat this for lunch and love it and and it's it, but it's not for everyone. So there you go. That's the tough love answer, and that's really the only one I know how to give. <laughs> I really appreciate that Russell not only brought up the tenacity required to make it as an Imagineer, but also the importance of surrounding yourself with supportive friends and family who understand and endorse what you're looking to accomplish. Hopefully, this tough love will get you primed for what it takes to make it as an Imagineer. While Russell mentioned that having a plan B can sometimes be detrimental to an artistic goal, another Imagineer I interviewed Brian Collins, reminded me that Imagineering is not the only rewarding career path in themed entertainment. 
he offered some really helpful advice about the various avenues available to aspiring Imagineers, which doesn't so much contradict what Russell Brower had mentioned, but sort of fine-tunes the various options available when you do devote yourself to your specific career of interest. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, I'll kind of go back to, to what we were just saying before. Don't limit yourself and think that Imagineering is the only option for you. Um, themed entertainment is just such a cool, fun thing to work in. And, you know, if you, sometimes it's a lot easier actually to maybe get into one of these other companies, um, boutique companies that, that works in the industry. Um, and then from there, you know, a lot of times you're going to be working side by side with Imagineering because they contract, like I said, all the time with these other companies. Um, so, so, you know, just kind of keep an open mind, get really good at your craft, um, you know, do something you love to do. Um, gosh, you know, it's, uh, that there are just so many pathways, uh, in, into it but um it, as a whole it, it's you know it, it's just been a really for me just, just just a really kind of a fun ride and um yeah, hopefully anyone out there that's open to kind of hop in and, and come along um you know keep your options open and, and do your homework and, and look out there um eventually it'll come to you if you've got the talent Brian's advice carries a lot of weight because I've not only interviewed Imagineers, but also creative folks who have worked with Walt Disney Imagineering through a third party, which is a great way to work on Imagineering projects and perhaps even get your foot in the door. In early 2021, I had the chance to interview a couple of folks, Adam and Rebecca, who worked on Pandora. Adam was an official set decorator for Walt Disney Imagineering, and Rebecca was a scenic artist who worked with Adam on Pandora through a third party. I asked them both what it takes to become an Imagineer, and they had more practical advice to share on this subject. So for me, I know that one of the one of the best aspects. So the reason, so the reason that I, um, the reason I joined up with Imagineering was I, um, I was jumping around as a freelance designer in DC. And I mean, I was, I was working for pennies in terms of, um, there was a job that I got where the parking cost more than I was making. And like, so just for me to park in the parking lot and go to work, I was ending up getting charged like 75 bucks a day and I wasn't even making that. And I, so I decided at some point I was like, I can't, I need to find a, a livable wage. And so that's what attracted me to Disney at, at the very beginning is I had been a few times and I was like, you know, I wasn't, I mean, I grew up in the nineties. So of course I loved like every single Disney movie and, you know, was obsessed with like Genie as a kid and, um, you know, like, Disney had a, a, a very influential impact on how I grew up, but at the same time, the biggest reason why I ended up gravitating to Disney wasn't that I had a commitment to the brand. For me, it was a commitment to story and a commitment to quality. And it was something that they really, really, when I joined up, really pushed, you know, commitment to quality and a commitment to story. Um, I had been, I've been lectured at by Joe Rody three times in my existence. 
every, and it's always like, it was always a time where I was setting something up, uh, a, a bunch of set decoration and he'd come over and he'd ask a question and I'd be like, you don't like what I'm doing. Like, I can just tell that you don't like it. And he, and he, and he'd always be like, it's not that it's just, let's go back to story. And we'd always kind of like talk through the history of it. And that's why I, that's why I joined up was that it was like a great place to tell story and make people really think about a lot of stuff. But the reason that I stuck around for, for over seven years was the people. Um, I have worked now in a few different industries. I've worked in the theater industry. I've worked in themed entertainment. And now I work for a company that designs and builds museums. So I, my, that's my job is I do like visitor centers for like national park services and Smithsonian and museums and stuff like that. Right. And, um, not knocking them, but, uh, you will never find people more dedicated and people who are willing to like chop off their right arm if it will somehow serve the design. And I guess that's why I'm a big proponent of, of hiring people from Disney. Mind you, I mean, in every job you're ever going to do, there's politics and there might be people that you may get along with, may not get along with. And there may be times where tension gets really, really tough and, and, you know, stakes get really high. But the dedication that people have to storytelling at Disney is, um, is not only commendable, but, um, but I, I don't know that I'll ever, I don't know that I'll ever work with people like I did at Disney. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I mean, obviously, you know, I didn't work directly for Disney, but just everyone in that industry is very dedicated to doing good work and producing quality, quality content mm-hmm. and quality, um, productions and shout out to all my former coworkers. Uh, they were some of the, the most dedicated, incredibly talented artists yeah. and incredibly creative. And some of them have like really gone on to do some really awesome stuff. And, um, yeah. I always highly recommend them to anyone who, who is looking for artists because they were just all really incredible. Um, and also, you know, I would echo the, the storytelling, getting to be a part of telling some incredible stories was really, really awesome. And, you know, no, no, not knocking what I do now. I love what I do now, but it, there's nothing quite like being part of this, the Disney storytelling. Yeah. Um, that that being said, uh, for all you young buddy Imagineers out there, people who want to become Imagineers and whatnot. The biggest thing that the biggest thing that Imagineers don't don't do is um, va- value themselves or, or 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 value themselves correctly. So many of them are like like oh I'll do this for free or like you know this and that. Yeah. And um, it's a hard lesson to learn to learn how to price yourself correctly and how to know how to set your rates. And yeah, everything. know what you're worth because you're worth a lot. And you know I hate to see anyone who's extremely yeah. talented not thinking that they're worth what they are. And, um, and, and a bit, and, a, and a, the hard part is like a big company like Disney will definitely use you for every single ounce of talent that you have. And so you want to make sure that you are um, one, that you're dedicated to it, but also that like Disney, like it's a symbiotic relationship, you know, you, you know, Disney's providing for you, but they're also, but you're also providing something very unique for Disney, which is your talent. And, um, I just like, like I said, the, the, the talented people there, it, it is just nuts. The, the peanuts that some of them literally 
would work for um, to create some of the world's most amazing attractions. And um, also, I guess the last thing I would say about what I did that I think sets it apart from anything else I've done, there's something very rewarding about tangibly making something with your hands that you then can see having a impact on a person's enjoyable experience. Having purpose, yeah. Yeah. Um, for sure. I mean, I love doing graphic design. I really do. Um, it's very rewarding, but it, this was rewarding in a different way, in a way that um, you could truly see the impact of every little thing you put into it, creating the, that atmosphere for the guests. Yeah, unless the lines are really long and it's really, really hot and your <laughs> blew up. And I'm just kidding. <laughs> the classic. <laughs> I hope Rebecca and Adam's advice resonates with you, especially since they're more recent Imagineers. Another Imagineer who worked on Pandora was Timmy Britt, whose backstory you should absolutely go back and listen to. It's fascinating. I, of course, asked Timmy a similar question, and he spoke once again to the idea of tenacity, but also to the idea of self-belief, timing, and so much more. It's impossible. It's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible. Tell yourself it's impossible every day and just don't quit. That's the I only answer that works because otherwise the right job has to be up with the, the right need. And yeah. you have to fill that right gap at that right moment somehow. That's how you become an Imagineer. So by the time I got there, I was ready to go. I had already built all of the Harry Potter stuff at Universal. So here's how I switched. I went down to see if I could maybe, I don't know, sit on Main Street and draw the watches that people get, the guests get, you know, draw Tigger and they put it in a watch. Like I figured yeah. I could do something creative or fun and I'm good with the guests. And I went back, never known that my engineering degree, all my years of painting wall murals and understanding paint, all the varnishes and all the substrates and building things in 3D would ever come into play because I saw one path at Disney. I never even gave Universal a thought because I was such a Walt aficionado. So I had this story that, that happened went just before I went in anyway. We'll save that for another time. It's in the book. Read the book, Extraordinary Everyday There Imagine. we go. That's a good plug for the book, which, by the way, we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah. And I have, uh, I have the link in the podcast description for those who are listening. Well, well, thank you so much for that. But if it comes up, I'm just excited about it. <laughs> My path to Imagineering, which was your original question, started Universal Studios because once I got fired, I said, well, then can I go golfing? Because I got I need a new plan. <laughs> and as a big Dallas Cowboy fan, they just happened to be playing that Sunday at a bar. And one of the animation guys who left animation to go help all the cast members with the union became the vice president of the union. And I said, crap, he's an amazing guy for cast members, really fought for everybody. Animation had left. And so he's like, well, I'm going to fight for cast members in the union. So he did that. And I got fired as a bus boy. He's like, I can't believe it. Come on out. And we're going to talk. So we go to the, we go to the Gators up in uh Kagan's crossing. You know, some of your listeners will know that. Yeah. And, uh, I meet this guy and he's like, wow, Isaac tells us you can draw. So real quick, I draw Mickey Mouse with a sorcerer hat on because the sorcerer hat is blue. And it's got silver stars. So I'm trying to convince everybody at the table that Mickey Mouse is actually a Dallas Cowboy fan because he wears that <laughs> hat, right? So they're having a great laugh about it. And I sketch it out and the guy's like, wow, you really can draw. And Isaac's like, I told you, the guy's amazing. So he's like, can you paint? And I'm like, well, sure. And he's like, Call this girl and hear that was just the beginning of Diagon Alley and, and all the parts of it. So I call her, I get in, and now I'm working for Universal Studios, building 
all of the Wizarding World. And I actually had only seen three movies because of my daughter. She bought all the books. She read them all. I couldn't get through them. I couldn't, you know. They're long books. I did read all of them. So you I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. But uh, I'm older than you, read. though. I'm older than you, and I spent my time reading Tolkien and and C.S. Lewis and all the yeah. you know I read all that stuff. And then when they made these great movies, I felt like all right, you know, I'll read the first book with my daughter, and then I'm going to start watching the movies because I just couldn't keep track of all the names that she had for everybody. Like as an adult with really bad eyes and trying to make out Hagrid and all this, I didn't know what it meant. But my daughter, wow, she picked it right up. So anyway. We fall in love with the parks. If it wasn't for that, I would have been probably a little bit more like, wow, I'm really going to go to work for Universal. I felt like I was betraying Walt in so many ways, but the truth is it was Walt's. I, I wasn't getting to Imagineering from working at the Animal Kingdom in operations. One's creative and entertainment and Imagineering, and one's operations. They never, they don't even like really mix ever. Like, like the Imagineers will build something and then hand it over to operations and they will run it. Then the Imagineers can only come in and say, hey, this isn't right or that isn't right, but that's it. You know, operations, they do a great job too. And having worked for both, I just figured I could work back and forth if I ever needed to. But once animation was gone and I was over in Universal, I had this friend named Jackie who just said, hey, these are our proprietary colors and this is what we're doing. And something inside me just snapped, all my training, all my years of art, all my murals. And now I have all this energy and I have a new purpose in life. So I start doing it and I understand all the vocabulary and I'm really energetic as you can tell. Right. Which so is I good. Just, it's good to have that positive, strong energy. Well, it's carried me far. You know, I, I believe every day that if you just wake up grateful and you try to serve other people, everything you need will kind of be taken care of for you. So it's true. kind of, it kind of just lands in your path. So if you want to be an Imagineer, just go and try and don't give up. But to tell you, oh, you have to do A, then B, then C, there is no A and B and C. There's, there's, you know, put on your seatbelt and say a prayer and work as hard as you can. Like, honestly, that's it. The normal channels, yeah, they might have a need for it. And with Imagineering moving from California to Florida now, man, they have the land. They have the Imagineers. Everything will be built first there and tried out first there. So if you're an artist and you want to start working, you think you do scenic work, go down and try and start, you know. If you don't make it to Imagineering, I'll tell you what, you can make it as a lead artist or even an art director, make a great living, be really proud, win awards, have your name on lots of cool stuff. So Imagineering, you know, you have to be an art director, be an Imagineer, so that you can lead and teach others. So you almost have to be an an art director first to become an Imagineer if you want to do it through Scenic or be an engineer that is creative like you. And then you would come to me and say, I have to put in this animatronic soundboard for, that goes for this guy and it moves. I'm like, well, I have to get the wall behind it to look like, you know, 13th century Gothic Spain or something. Right. Like, well, you know, so we'd have to work together on it. But in that way, it's again, teamwork. So I'm back. So now there's no guests. It's just me and other Imagineers, but the teamwork is still there. When we, I was on stage as an animation artist, there was teamwork to help the guests. Now there's teamwork to bring something for all the guests to, to, to marvel at one day. Just like Brian Collins advised, Timmy Britt's career path shows how following your passion can lead to so many career opportunities within Imagineering and beyond. Yet another Imagineer who did not start in Imagineering first in his career, but eventually made the jump, was Theron Skies, who went on to lead projects at Disney Springs, Disney Cruise Line, Disneyland Paris, and beyond. Theron has so much practical wisdom to share about becoming an Imagineer, so I, of course, had to ask for his advice. He offered some really wonderful insights. 
Well, I think with any career, I, it kind of goes without saying, and that's probably why I didn't mention it in the video, is you got to have skill. True. <laughs> um, uh, I, uh, and, and I don't mean that in a kind of a cheeky way. I mean that in a reality way where I do have uh, I've come in contact with people who have said something like, you know, I, I have so many good ideas. You know, I would love to work at Imagineering and just, you know, institute all these ideas. And and I, I gently remind them that nobody gets hired because they have good ideas. You get hired because you have a specific skill that the company happens to be hiring for. And um, and that conversation generally leads to, well, should I be a subject matter expert in one area or should I be a jack of all trades? And uh, that, again, is a very subjective kind of personal decision. You know, if you are a graphic designer, I'll just pick a pick a discipline or a role and and that's what you love and you're really good at it and you've put your passion and you've put your determination into it if you do that you're going to be very very good at that thing that you love and if you get hired as a graphic designer you could then you know that's your foot in the door that's your entry point um but graphic designers have at least in imagineering they've grown into art directors creative directors they've moved around and and um been able to do a lot of different things other than just graphic design and uh, and i think that's the the cool part of themed entertainment um if you are a person like myself that was probably a little add and you never really like to do one thing you like to do 21 things um then being good at lots of different things gives you multiple uh, entry points within the entertainment industry and, um, and, and gives you the opportunity once you're in to really plot your career journey in a lot of different ways. And, and many of those um, categories, um, again, that I talk about in one of my YouTube videos, those uh, discipline categories, you, there are transitions that can be made between those categories and, and you can move around uh, within the organization. But understanding the whole process is really the thing that I try to teach. Even if you just enter as a graphic designer or a writer or something like that, knowing the whole process and every you know um, role that's involved will help you navigate your way in the industry in your career, right? So I try to give people, students, anybody who's interested that kind of perspective. Very smart. It's so important to have that skill. And you're right. I get. I get that question a lot too. I'm going to be really. I'm going to be asking folks to go here, and I have to remind people I was not an Imagineer, so I can't really properly answer that question. But I can direct <laughs> you to the right resources, and this will be one of those resources for people to go and listen to. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I, I have a lot of ideas. How do I? What yeah. should I do in Imagineering? Well, what are you good at? What are you interested in? Um, you know, you have to have a, a particular skill. Uh, but I'm, I can't remember. And it's gonna it's definitely gonna hit me when we stop recording. But there was an imagineer <laughs> I interviewed who said that you have to be able to um be exceptional in one particular area, but able to branch out into others and understand how to, you know, if, if you're really exceptional at engineering, still understanding the artistic side and the you know, yeah. show writing and the business side of it and all the other disciplines that that support that that discipline. That's right. I mean, it's not that having ideas is bad. I certainly right. <laughs> don't want to leave that impression. You just won't get hired because you're an idea machine. Right. If you're an idea machine, um, you know, lean into a specific, a specific discipline, get hired for that discipline, then your ideas have a place to actually take root and to grow. Um, and I think that's, that's a really important um, aspect that I, I try to share.
As always, Theron has such great advice and amazing stories, which is why I've had him on the show several times and can't wait to invite him back. Another Imagineer I recently interviewed, Brian Crosby, recently made the switch to Marvel-themed entertainment, but has developed so many iconic attractions and experiences across both Marvel and Disney. I asked him for his advice for turning your passion into your career. Brian has carved out an amazing career through tremendous hard work and initiative, and he had some practical advice to share on following a similar path. Yeah, well, I, I think it goes back to what you touched on a little bit earlier with how I've handled my own career. And, and you know, I can only speak from my own personal experience. Um, and I know for everybody, it's different, but I have always worked under the, you know, whether it's through what I, you know, growing up playing, playing baseball or trying to become a professional artist or whatever it was, I was always under the impression that if I worked really hard and worked harder than anybody else, that I could achieve my dreams. Um, it's what my parents taught me and I've, and I've lived by that. So I don't think there's any good substitute for hard work and personal sacrifice. Um, you know, I, 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 when I speak to college students and I, you know, being in, in, in the job that I have, I have the opportunity to do that quite a bit. And I, I always tell students, no one's going to just show up on your doorstep with your dream job. It's just not going to, it's not, at least that hasn't been my experience, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, like Disney and Marvel and anybody that's in that conversation in terms of pop culture, they're not just like desperate for people. Like they're, it's a very competitive space. And a lot of people want to work at those companies. So if you want to work in that space, you got to go after it and you got to show why you're, why you're valuable and how you think differently than everybody else. And what makes you, what makes you different when, you know, what, what skill set do you bring to the table? Um, and so um, that's kind of been my approach is if there's something that I really want, you know, something I really want to do, I've got to show somebody I can do it. Nobody's going to take my word for it. Disney's not going to take my word for it. Marvel's not going to take my word for it. Anybody else, you know, I can, I can tell you, Hey, I'm, I'm a, I'm a great comic book artist, you know, but like, great. Well, like, let's see your comic book art then, you know, it's like, what can you do? Either you can do the work or you can't, you know? And so uh, I, I kind of live by that. So you want something, you got to go for it and you got to prove to people that you can do it. Um, and I, you know, when I was in Imagineering, I remember thinking if I'm not here working on my craft, somebody else is somewhere in the world and that person's going to get the job that person's going to get the opportunity. And so uh, probably to, to my own, <laughs> probably against my better judgment sometimes, you know, working crazy hours and, you know, having a, a pullout mattress, you know, or like a mat that I would sleep on in my office at times. Uh, but I really wanted it. You know, I wanted it so bad. I wanted to succeed there. And I wanted to, you know, work on some of these amazing, amazing projects that the other Imagineers were getting to work on. And, um, I just kept doing that, you know, until, uh, until I showed people, you know, and learning, you know, sh you know, putting your stuff out there and letting people react to it. You know, you're never gonna, you're never gonna know and learn if you don't put it, put yourself out there. And so, and, you know, I do stuff and, you know, I'd have people cr critique it, you know, do me, tell me, tell me what I need to do to improve. Tell me what's good. Tell me what's bad. You know, mom, mom thinks everything you do is great. <laughs> yeah. But so you got to show it to like other people outside of mom and don't get me wrong. I love mom. And I, 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 I love my mom. 
is 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 the best and you know she has my art hanging up all over her house although some of my my disney art she says a little too dark and scary so she only brings (laughs) it out she only brings it out at halloween time but um but you know i i think you got to show people your 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 art show people what you can do um and prove to people that you can do the job I love Brian's work ethic, and it's a tenacity I hope you follow in whatever career path you choose. To close us out, I want to turn to an Imagineer who so many aspiring Imagineers look up to, Tony Baxter. Tony grew up as a huge fan of Disney and ended up turning a dream into an award-winning Imagineering career, working on attractions like Star Tours, Indiana Jones Adventure, and countless others at Disneyland Paris, not to mention Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, and so many more. Rather than ask Tony how to get your foot in the door at Imagineering, I asked how to grow a career there. As expected, he shared some very useful advice. Well, you've just knocked out the hardest part of that question, so (laughs) that I don't have to go into that again. And you can find that on about every single thing I've ever done. I knew it was out there in many forms, so I didn't want to ask the same old question again. (laughs) Uh, When I get to that next part of it, which is once you've gotten in the door and you've landed somewhere, probably because they looked at what you had to offer and you filled a entry-level need uh, because you had a good portfolio or you had good background in your previous jobs to fill in engineering or, you know, whatever skill set it is. But that isn't your dream of where you want to end up. You are here, like I was at Carnation scooping ice cream, not because I wanted to learn how to cook hamburgers for the Carnation company. I was only there because it was in Disneyland. That was the only reason I was there scooping ice cream. Uh, Going to Baskin Robbins to scoop ice cream, no way. Um, So once you're in, it's up to you to really size up what's going on and learn how to both do two things. You can move horizontally, which is probably more easily attainable, and then accelerate upwards once you've moved over horizontally or, you know, diagonally if you're lucky. Um, And in some cases, you might even decide to go down backwards to get over into a better area. I've literally, I've had people that took a a wage cut to get into another division uh, because they felt they could show their value once they got there. You've got to determine like, am I in a role where I'm fulfilling a need, I'm making widgets, and there's no opportunity for me to show that my widgets are better than any other widgets. They're just simply widgets. Then you're probably not in a career path. You're more in a, uh, a, a job role. So if you've got a career path, you've got to like set your sights on people that are doing sort of the things that you would like to be assigned with. And you start making friends with them. And you start, you know, like, can I pick your brain? Can I take you to lunch? I really am amazed by your career and so forth. And I've had people do that with me. I've got a very good friend now who's in the engineering side, who's doing really, really well. It's very good, personable person. So it's been easy for him to uh, approach people like myself. I met him on a ride at Florida at, at our the other company's parks, um, <laughs> Universal. And he said, oh, I saw your lecture yesterday over at Disney. And I, what do you have advice? And so I gave him the how to get in advice. 
and on the, in the runtime of the Hogwarts Express, actually, and then figured I'll never see this person again. Cut to six months later, hired in Imagineering, uh, and then come to my office, and uh, we hit it off. We love movies, and one thing led to another, and I've given him lots of advice on, um, you know, threading his way through, and he's in a very good position. He's not a designer. He'll never be that, but he definitely wanted to add to the creativity rather than just being a scheduler or an engineering layout of the time frame for different jobs and so forth. Um, and then, like I say, um, when you are looking at a company that's like going into China, as we were 10 years ago, I would say to you, whether you're an engineer, writer, or an, an artist, you'd say, okay, that's what I do. And oh, by the way, I'm fluent in Mandarin Chinese, you know, and, and then you, you realize you just weeded out, you know, 75% of your competition, you know, in art or in engineering, because they're thinking right away, okay, that eliminates another position that we don't have to worry about. Maybe he can do translating for everyone on the team, you know, so uh, you're always got to keep your, uh, your eyes and ears on all the things that are not you know, in your little window frame that are going on there that you could suddenly bring in and uh, uh, attach them to your value and then put yourself in a light that exceeds the others that would be vying for the same thing. It's no easy task. And like for me who grew up in a, an analog trained world, uh, it's now a total digitally um, you know, even working at home now has become kind of normal there. And so uh, the camaraderie, the interface of seeing all the Imagineers every day and saying, oh, that idea that you were working on, how's that going? Because I remember getting uh, out of my hole, which was working in the model shop as a uh, cutting out with a mat knife, you know, facades and stuff. And I went in and saw there was bringing all the Snow White stuff out of the, um, the uh, archives at the studio. Uh, from the movie and what's this for i say to the guy in there he said oh claude Coates is going to be working on the snow white ride so i got bold enough to walk into claude's office and say oh i i see you're going to be working on the snow white ride and you know just i want you to keep my name there if you would you know i'd love to work with you on it oh okay well i'll think about that when it comes up you know and the next thing i know i've been called by my boss that claude wants you to work with him on the thing but that wouldn't have happened if i hadn't have risked going into his office and being a little bit pushy and saying but if you think about being on his side would you rather have someone assigned your project that you don't know or someone that walked in and gave you all these reasons why they would love to work with you on this project. Oh, it's a no-brainer. That's the answer. The folks in this episode represent a small sample of the various pathways into Imagineering. And while this advice is certainly not collectively exhaustive, it provides us with a few common themes that I mentioned earlier. The ability to work well with others and share credit on ideas, the willingness to work hard and think outside the box, the passion to love what you do and always strive to learn more and do better, the eagerness to take initiative without losing patience, and the ability to both deeply know your craft and understand how it fits with other disciplines. It all comes down to a combination of talent, motivation, hard work, creativity, tenacity, passion, and timing. 
As we move ahead with Imagineer Podcast, I'll do my best to gather even more insights for you in order to share more advice on how to become an Imagineer or how to achieve any other career goal you set out to accomplish. In the meantime, I hope this episode inspires you to set your eyes on your dreams and work diligently to make them come true. With that, we close out episode 129 of the Imagineer podcast. I hope you enjoyed this look back on some of my favorite interviews with select Imagineers throughout the last five years of Imagineer podcast. I, again, get this question so often about how to become an Imagineer, and I often point people to all of these interviews, which, if you haven't listened to them before, I definitely recommend going back and listening to the full discussions with each of these individuals, because there were so many incredible stories that they shared, and even more wisdom and insights that you can mine through that conversation. But of course, I thought this would be a really practical resource, a one-stop shop, so to speak, of all of the advice I got specifically on the question of how to become an Imagineer. And perhaps in five years from now, and I have even more interviews that we've uh, gotten through Imagineer podcast, I'll go back and do perhaps another compilation of some more advice, uh, more up to date at that point of how you can become an Imagineer. I, of course, want to turn this conversation over to you and hear what goal you want to accomplish, whether it's a lifelong dream or perhaps just a goal that you want to accomplish in the new year. We're going to make this personal because this is, of course, an episode all about accomplishing your goals and your dreams, whatever they might be. You can send me your answers and feedback, as always, in so many different ways. I would encourage you to follow Imagineer Podcast and reach out to me on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn at Imagineer Podcast on Twitter at Imagineer News and a great place to chat not just with me but with other members of this listener community about this subject and other subjects of the show is in our Facebook group which is the Imagination also called the Imagineer Podcast Disney Fan Community where you can again chat about this subject and all other subjects with other listeners of this community relating to all things Disney. If you don't already subscribe to the show, make sure to hit that subscribe or follow button. Whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, or any other podcast app, and that'll ensure that you're the first to know when new podcast episodes become available. And if you have a moment to leave us a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts, that's a great way to help us out. It lets others know what they can expect when they come across Imagineer Podcast and increases our relevance in the Apple Podcast Store. And new, starting in the holiday season of 2021, Spotify rolled out ratings for podcasts as well. So if you listen to the show on Spotify, I ask you to do me a favor. If you haven't yet left a rating in Spotify, please go back and leave us a rating. There is no opportunity quite yet to leave a review. Perhaps by the time this episode airs, that might change. But at this point, if you just leave it, it's literally a second at the top of the page on Spotify. You'll see Imagine Your Podcast. Go to the top of that page 
and there's a rating system right there. You literally just tap once, tap again to leave your rating, and you're done. Takes just a couple of seconds and certainly helps the show out tremendously. One of the best things you could do for the show, though, is very simple, and that's just to share it. Whether you share out this episode or any other episode of the show, if you share out our content on social media or simply talk about it with friends and family who love all things Disney, that's a great way to help this show out. And if you'd like to take your love of Imagineer podcast to the next level, definitely check out our Patreon group over at patreon.com slash Imagineer podcast. That's a way that you can help to support the show financially and in return get exclusive perks, benefits, rewards, content, so much more. Things like bonus podcast episodes just for Patreon members, access to our private Facebook group. We do weekly Disney Plus watch parties, which are so much fun. We have virtual private events bonus content the list goes on and on these terms and conditions are subject to change depending on when you're listening to this episode so the best way to find out what's currently offered is to head to again patreon.com slash podcast really easy to find it just by clicking on the link in the show notes of this episode and you can also find it over at imagineerpodcast.com or on the patreon app if you subscribe to other creators on patreon as well last but not least especially this episode. This episode is all about how to become an Imagineer or how to unlock your goals, whatever they might be. I hope the insights prove to be incredibly valuable to you. And now more than ever, is such a great time to go after your hopes, dreams, goals, whatever they might be. And remember, as always, that inspiring quote from Horizons. If you can dream it, you can do it. Thank you so much for listening to the show. And we'll see you again in a future episode of the Imagineer Podcast. is true. Anyone can cook, but only the fearless can be.